0: Welcome to Make It, Share It, the podcast where we explore the simple but profound process to overcome fear, doubt, perfectionism, and more enemies of creativity. Make it and share it.
1: We'll talk to creators of all kinds, from artists and writers to entrepreneurs and inventors, to learn about their creative process, the challenges they faced, and how they overcame them by making and sharing.
2: Whether you're an artist, entrepreneur, or someone who wants to create but feel stuck, this podcast is for you. Creativity, meet courage. Welcome back to Make It Share It. My name's Kent Rabelais, and I'm joined as always by Lauren Chandler and Stephen Cooper. Hello. Hey. And then today we're pumped to welcome Ian Verdugo and Caleb Davis, the producers of the TV pilot Restorage, uh, which is going to be at Slam Dance. Hopefully, by the time you're listening to this. They're there and enjoying that incredible experience. We'll talk about that. And I believe premiered at the Austin Film Festival. Was that its like official premiere?
3: Yeah, it was the official yeah. world slash Texas premiere. <laughs> Love it. That That's awesome. Um,
2: so we're going to talk as usual about how they uh, made Restorage and what it's been like to share it. Um, but just to kind of get things uh, started, we always like to ask just like a fun question. So, uh, for both of you, what is your favorite place in the world to vacation and why?
4: I, okay. I'll, yeah, I'll start. Um, we, my, my wife and I, for our one year anniversary, I know, big deal. One year, we did a road trip from, um, Seattle down to, uh, San Diego. And we drove the whole coast and we camped along the way. Um, I, I mean, we pretty much, we started, we started marriage. We like honeymooned in Hawaii and that was nice, but doing the road trip ever since then, I don't know if there's been, um, a more fun vacation that we have. Like we went to the Bahamas that, that was nice, but it was so cool to drive there or fly there, camp literally along the, the coastal highway, the whole way that was incredible an Olympic national, uh, rainforest up in Seattle is breathtaking. So that, that for me was,
3: I, I, I would love to go back someday and live there. So you, so your favorite place to vacation is the entire West coast. You
4: know, listen, <laughs> there weren't specifics on, yes, <laughs> yes, that's my fault.
3: Uh, no, I think. No, I, no, I, no, Yeah. I agree. Yes,
4: absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Absolutely. Seattle. Seattle is, is beautiful. Seattle's. Yeah.
1: Beautiful. Had me until you said and camped all the way around, all the way down. I was like, yeah, this sounds great. Hold on. <laughs>
4: well, okay. We did stay. Yeah. We stayed in Airbnbs a couple of times. So okay. we like we camped a couple of okay. times then we would yeah. stay in an Airbnb. We also, I mean, we did the whole thing. We went to like Disneyland. We didn't camp in Disneyland. Yeah. Right. Um, but yes, you know, it was, it was well balanced. Okay. Well balanced.
1: Yeah. No. <laughs> no camping here.
4: <laughs> uh, camping is, we had never camped before. Now we're just talking about camping. So it's fascinating. fascinating. Oh, but it? we had never camped before. So we got a, a van and we we camped inside of the van. So we would like blow up an air mattress. Oh, we oh. had a mosquito net. So it okay. was, you know, it wasn't tent ground camping, okay. you know, quite. It yeah. was, it was nice. It was nice. Okay.
1: I, I could well, maybe do that.
4: Yeah, it was. Oh, and uh, again, Olympic National Rainforest up in Seattle is if you have not been beautiful and breathtaking. So, so go that's visit amazing. Seattle. <laughs> that's amazing. I'll uh, A link to this, sh- to
2: that in the show notes. Personally.
4: Please.
3: That's why I'm here.
4: That's what, if that's what they told me, Who's I
3: was going to be doing today. Uh, I think for me, uh, only because I've gone once is uh Santa Fe, New Mexico. Um, mm-hmm. I don't because I, Rachel and I drove there. Uh, Rachel's my wife. We drove there while we were in college. Like I think probably a, a few months into our marriage, and then we went to Santa Fe, and like the sunrises and sunsets were just like unlike anything. And it snowed while we were there. And then the sun came out and the snow all melted. So it was like so magical. So it's stuck in my head that that is the most magical place to vacation. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. This was like 10 years ago. (laughs) So uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico. Love it.
2: Great answers. All right.
3: So now
2: I'm just going to get deep. Uh, So that was your fun question. Now it's time (laughs) to get deep. Uh, which is we like to do a turning point just to hear about uh, something when you were younger that really turned the way that you think and live and relate in the world. So um, it it usually people are answering it as it relates to the creative space. Um, So feel free to do that, but it's up to you. Um, Yeah, so just would love to hear that just as it's a way to to get to know someone um, and for our listeners to, to get to know you guys a little bit more. So,
3: Ian, do you have one? Yeah, I think. I mean, I'll go creative because if I yeah. don't, it'll go real heavy, real
4: quick.
3: I hear you. Uh, um, but I think, um, I think creatively, the maybe like a pretty big turning point for me in in regards to like movies and storytelling was I uh, watched um, my mom. I think we went to like the Dollar Theater my mom and my sister and I, we went to go see the Royal Penn and bombs at Mm -hmm. uh, the dollar theater. And there's like a moment where I forget the Eagle's name, but the Eagle's like flying and like, Hey Jude is playing like as the underscore of the music. And during that movie, I remember being like, Oh, like you can make something. You can tell a story that isn't just like a bunch of explosions and like, a lot of action like this can be really funny and heartfelt and absolutely heartbreaking and really, really truthful about like a really messed up family.
1: Um,
3: So that to me, I think I was like, I, I just saw myself in that movie and that was the first time I had ever experienced that. Uh, And so that I think was a turning point creatively where it's like, Oh, okay. Like movies are more than just, you know uh, explosions and cars and, and you know, fart jokes as much as I love those. Uh, <laughs> So that's for me. That's great.
2: Kayla, what about you?
4: Yeah, I, I think it's very similar. My in in my my dad, my dad would show me a lot of movies that probably I wasn't supposed to see at it at a really young age. Like I remember I and mean, this is so bad. I hope he doesn't hear this, but I mean this is his fault. I remember being 10 years old and he was watching Apocalypse Now. And he was like, you're fine, you can watch it. And I'm like, I, it's, that's, that is such a heavy, really like heavy movie. But what was great about that is he would, he was just so, he was so willing to show me all of these films. And so from a very young age, again, I think I watched The Godfather at like 12. He was just like way too young. Um, and that's what I'm doing with my children right now too. Like that. no. He he was just, you know, putting all of these really incredible movies at really such a young age and something something that we would do that was really influential for me, but also just for my for my faith growing up in a family of believers is my dad. Every Sunday he had this list of um, Jesus films and he would constantly play these Jesus films. And I remember from a really young age, probably about three or four is I would just be captivated by these films. There's one film in particular. It's I think it's just the Jesus film that maybe was made by the Trinity Broadcasting. I, I don't know. It's older. Um, and I and we would watch it. And then at the end, and he would just be on, he would be cooking. And um, at the end, uh, the there's like a narrator, I think, through it. And he would go through the Lord's Prayer. And it would also be an invitation to accept Jesus. And I remember just being a kid, like three or four on the couch watching this Jesus film and my dad's in the back and I'm just I'm just going through it like the Lord's prayer. And then I would I would just ask Jesus to be in my heart, not really knowing what that sort of meant. But it's cool to look back and and think like, oh, my some of my most influential moments in my life not only came from these films, um, but But also in with my faith as well, where literally I'm sitting there just being exposed as a kid to this film that's depicting a super white Jesus (laughs) and, you know, watching, watching this and it's, it's, it's actively having an effect on me, not only in a, in a way where, you know, film is sort of like, oh, this is interesting to tell this story, but it's a story of something very personal to me and my family at the time. Um... And then I think where I, where I really caught on was in a similar experience to Ian. I was watching a Hitchcock, an Albert Hitchcock marathon. Probably I was like fourteen or fifteen. That was on television, and there was a film that came on Vertigo, uh, with Jimmy Stewart and Karen Novak, I think. And it was, I think, the first time I was that where I felt truly captivated. From beginning to end and the way that film ends is so weird and mysterious and and i i think it was at that moment i was like okay i've got to do that i don't know what that looks like but i need to i need to be a part of telling stories through this medium and again whatever capacity that's going to look like um no jesus in that movie but but (laughs) but, you know that's okay
3: that's okay dude i I didn't know that about your dad that's cool
4: i Mm. like
0: picturing fifth grade caleb Going to the lunchroom, sitting down with his friends after just watching Apocalypse Now. And they're all talking about like the cowboy game. And he's like, I learned about psychological warfare and how war is so horrible yesterday. You guys want to talk about that? Yeah. I'd be like, like, guys, you know what napalm is?
4: (laughs) No, napalm is? They'd be like, no, we don't know. Yeah, that's the heaviest 10 year old kid I've ever met in my life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, (laughs) and I'm, and that's why I'm in counseling and i mean you know we're there so but it's that's great so hey good. it's great I at least we
1: went out with the jesus stone
4: that's understand. a total union like, yes. that's right. it's like yeah, sundays it sundays was for jesus that's and every other day was just hardcore war yeah. and violence <laughs> to you know really teach me the lessons of how yep. brutal humanity can be <laughs>
2: uh, well thank you guys for sharing that uh it is it's it's, it's all you just never know what's going to be in the mystery box uh which i do want to ask about uh the mystery box in a little bit here but so let's talk about restorage let's do um a few things just for context for people so uh one just we'll do one of you can just do a synopsis you know for those of uh, of the listeners um you know like what is this and then two just talk about like a tv pilot this is different than a short film you know that someone might be watching kind of maybe for context, what, what that is for people that are, again, don't not aware of some of these terms. So let's just start with the, the synopsis. Uh, either one of you can take that one.
3: Caleb, I'll let you do it. You've done it a million times.
4: Okay. Um, yeah. So the, the synopsis for, for Restorage is, um, it's a sci-fi dramedy about a family, whose um, patriarch, the father of the family has just died. And at a will reading, um, our main character, Chase and his siblings are expecting to get some valuables, um, to to be bequeathed something from this wealthy patriarch. Um, So, you know, the brother gets the the family business, the sister gets the family estate, and then our main character, Chase, who you're kind of seeing is a little bit of the black sheep of the family, he gets a storage unit and the contents of whatever is in this storage unit. Um, so you're kind of getting a little bit of the drama, a little bit of backstory with the family. The Their mother is in a coma and you're kind of seeing that it's torn the family apart. Some little details like you would have in a pilot. And um, as Chase slowly makes his way through his day, he finally makes it to the storage unit and there's nothing in the storage unit. So the father has left him nothing. But you come to find out That the storage unit has the ability to fix anything that's placed inside of it that is broken. Um, That's kind of the general concept. And uh, essentially what we were playing with is um, a, a family drama about dysfunction and what it looks like to give maybe the most dysfunctional character in the show the ability to sort of fix everything around him but at the same time kind of maybe like then breaking everything in the process like Mm -hmm. he basically takes that thing and then just fails epically with it
3: so i think that's kind of right ian yeah no that one, dude honestly i i just texted you that was the best synopsis i feel like that we've gotten i'm not even joking that was like it was it was perfect so uh That was great. Well, I'm, I mean, sure, I'm um, sure I left a ton of stuff out, but I no, but, but I mean, just yeah, for like high level, that's like mm-hmm. what it is as a general. gist. and then to answer what Kent was saying about like what a pilot is essentially, um, it's like the very first episode of uh, a TV show, um, and so instead of it being a short film where it's just standalone or a feature film where it's like in theaters or just goes on Netflix, um, the, the pilot is sort of like kind of plays as a proof of concept for uh potential you know buyers or potential networks or whatever it might be um to then tell a, a longer story through a series or a season so um uh, yeah perfect
2: that was great thank you both for that for me, so yeah go ahead this go. is
0: this is kind of like my worst nightmare like i won't <laughs> i loved the pilot let me just start there i'm big high on ian ian has directed multiple music videos for my old band, I love Ian and his yes work. so I'm me all too. in. Me so, too. I won't watch new shows until they get at least renewed for a second or third season because, as a storyteller or songwriter, like if there's no end, I, I, I want to go to L. A. and find the guy and be like, "What was the ending? Just tell <laughs> me." Just, let's go to okay. coffee. So watching a pilot yeah. is like it's my like, worst nightmare because I'm yeah. like. I at least needed 11 other episodes, even yeah. if you don't get re- renewed for season two. So to have one and that just is setting it all up and then be like, yeah. and you're done. I was like, what's- Ian, we're going to have to go to coffee and I'm going to need outline. I need some story arcs. I, need a few. I I need to know what's coming because it's eating at my brain. But that also, I think tells me that it's really good. Yeah. And I was in on multiple levels. Yeah. So, Thank you. good job, guys. I think
1: I'm coming to that breakfast birthday. or lunch or whatever y'all are having because I want. <laughs> I'm with you. Like if I see a series is like limited series, I'm like, yes, that means it's done. I know the end. Yeah. But yeah, but then multiple seasons are great because the story keeps going and keep learning. So I love that. But I'm with you, Coop. I want to yeah. know what's happening.
0: Yeah. yeah, it was great.
4: Thank, yeah. you. Thank you very Thank much. You. Yeah, I think that that was something that that we really wanted to 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 accomplish with it and and honestly that was maybe one of the most fun parts of crafting the the story was thinking about sort of breaking down how a pilot how a pilot works right is it's really just all set up it's Mm -hmm. all set up so that when the the netflix you know countdown to the next episode happens you don't turn it off you know Mm -hmm. It, it literally just Will transport you immediately to the next episode, and that's very much what we what we tried to do. Yeah. Um, and and honestly, yeah, Ian, we you can speak into that. That was maybe one of the most fun parts of all of this is just sitting down with Ian in a coffee shop and coming up with that outline of, okay, cool, we've got the beats, we know there's the family, there's dysfunction, there's this, the will reading, the storage unit, but how do we how do we get to the point at, to the very last frame? where it cuts to black and you will just want to continue to the next episode. Um, We
3: we kept like referencing, I don't know if you guys have seen the show dead to me or living with yourself um, or breaking bad. I don't know if you've seen that. (laughs) Yeah. I've seen breaking bad. I've I've heard of it. Yeah. 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 Not many people pilots, all of the like first episodes are the pilots. They all, they're all set up, but they like, get you sucked into the characters and then they leave you with like a hundred questions. And so we really wanted to be like, how can we like, you know, set stuff up to where people can get engaged and interested in who these characters are, but also, and tease a ton of things without giving anything away in the first episode. Uh, uh, Because that's, it seems like that's what the pilots we really like seem to do. So, so yeah. So sorry, Cooper. Like we, we don't, uh, (laughs) Hi, Kalilo. Uh we, we don't have uh we don't have anything uh, else filmed. So, but we can have coffee and we can talk about it all. Yeah. That's all I
0: need. That's all
3: I need. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, let's rewind a little bit. So in the making of this, um, you know, Caleb, you were just hearing about being in the coffee shop and you've got the beats, but like take me back a little bit further, even to the genesis of it. Um, you know, what what sparked the idea and I, I referenced mystery box. Um, can't believe we've done this many episodes without me referencing the J.J. Abrams TED Talk. Uh, so here it is. It'll be in the show notes. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> uh, so I, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, I wonder if this was like, oh, that's that. Uh, we love mystery boxes. And, you know, conversations like that or you're like, what? I don't know who J.J. Abrams is or mystery boxes, uh, which I know isn't true. But anyway, yeah. Thoughts? Like, how did it? What, what kind of started uh, down the road uh, or started this down the road?
3: Yeah. So I think. You know, what happened is Caleb and I we made a, a short film, uh, like a sketch comedy short film called Good Cop, Bad Cop. It's very over the top, ridiculous. We were shooting in a in a studio where like one of uh, I guess like I was hired by this production company a handful of times to like film stuff and I just asked them, Hey, can I use this space for free? I don't have money. I'm just making something silly. And they said yes. And so Caleb and I uh, and a handful of friends and strangers that were just like, yeah, let's make this thing. We all got together and made this really ridiculous thing. And we were laughing and being loud. And then I think in the middle of the shoot, the owner of the studio pulled me aside and said, man, it sounds like you guys are having so much fun. That's awesome. I'm like, yeah, it's, yeah. And he was like, well, just so you know, I own an entire storage facility. So if you ever want, to use a location for free um, if you have like a short film or something like you, you're you welcome to use it and I was like oh okay um, and then I had a couple of follow up meetings with him to kind of pick his brain like what did he want what did he mean by that like was he actually serious and he was like yeah I mean I'll you guys can use it so then I get Caleb and I say hey dude let's come up with something that is just surrounded around uh, this storage facility you know maybe we make a short film or uh, a pilot or something and uh, that's where it like kind of all started mm-hmm. and then Caleb and I just with our own sentiments started to you know mix everything up and come up with the idea so well
4: and that's and that's where for uh, for Ian and I in our sort of creative partnership we've just done a lot of comedy I think that is where our, our sentiments align the, the best really really stupid comedy <laughs> um not high level Not high, no, it's literally just the dumbest with the <laughs> dumbest things they're on the internet you can probably find them and you'll never want to to us again but it's um for for us for for ian i think that's sort of when he had the opportunity to to do this after talking with masoom um who owns the facility immediately you went to either doing like a 30-minute comedy you knew that you wanted to maybe do a television show, yeah. it was a, like a 30 minute comedy or potentially a dramedy. And you and you you tell this really well where you were like, that was that's what you were wanting to do. You bring it. to
3: Yeah, I was like, yeah, I want to do something that's sort of like maybe Kim's convenience, the television show or this uh, Australian show uh, called Sisters, where it's very it's like dramedy, but it's it's surrounded like everything is surrounded by this one sort of location or topic but it's not really about that. It's about everything else surrounding it. Um, and I was like, what if, you know, we did something like Kim's Convenience and then Caleb was like, yes, that's cool. But what if we use the storage unit and it's a portal? And I was like, huh? He's like, yeah, well, I mean like, what if we, it's a portal? And then I I forget where, we were eating like burgers or something. And then yeah. I, think I, I was like, all right, let's explore that idea. And then it it just morphed into sort of this, I mean, you know, the, the sentiment of me wanting to do a dramedy, and then Caleb wanting to do something that was a little more sci-fi genre bending, and we kind of mixed it all together. Um, and we, I mean, tons of conversations in between that meeting yeah. and the fi- finished script, right? So, yeah, but yeah, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what forced the inception of the the whole thing.
0: I think that is something that's really important. Like, Kent, this just brings me back to our film school days. Like, one, guys, if you want to see stupid comedies, we will give you a run for your money. Uh, That's all you can't find our stuff Uh, because the internet didn't exist, really. Or it was in its
2: nascent (laughs) stages, then.
0: But let me say, like, in film school, there was a lot of that because you had no budget, no nothing. Yeah. And so it'd be like, hey, my friend's dad has a warehouse. What can we film in this warehouse? And my friend's dad owns that office building. We can get in there at night. But then you get out and you you try to go higher level for some reason. That, that's a weird term, but like you try to stay to your vision. or You try to write. And sometimes I see those little things as like great writing prompts. Like, mm. hey, we have a storage unit. Yeah. What if we had to write a storage unit thing? And I think people, creatives can get too yeah. focused on an idea or what they want to accomplish And I think even if those don't pan out, that's an insanely good creative exercise to go to look at your life, look at your friends, look at your neighbors and your family and go, you know, I bet I could make a call and we could shoot in that basketball gym and be like, what if we did a basketball thing? Like, and just write it and see what happens. Like, cause this is such a creative, fun thing that I'm really into y'all's pilot and I never in a million years would have said. I bet this thing started because they had access to a storage unit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I think creatives need to think that way. more. Yep. Yep. So I love that. Yeah. We, we, we
4: talk about this all the time. It's, it's so, it's so good to have as a creative. It's so good to have some boundaries. Yeah. Honestly. And, and whether that's, and honestly, sometimes it's hard to give those sort of, to give self boundaries because. And we talk about this, too, because even after the storage unit, we're starting to write the the pilot. I write a draft where there's like a lot of high level stuff that we just did not have the budget for. Like in the beginning, for the first five minutes, we follow around a mouse inside through, like, the storage through, unit <laughs> through the unit. It's like, we can't do that. So even in the boundaries, I'm like, surprised. oh, but we can there's a mouse and I don't know. We can do CGI. It's fine. Um, yeah. But but through through that, yeah, for, for us, like having immediately knowing this is your location, come up with the story around it, what whatever that looks like, you'll be able to create it. And we have the confidence that we know that we'll be able to do something. It it yeah, it it's almost necessary sometimes. Wouldn't you say, Ian? Yeah, but lo- it was the same for the good cop, bad cop, which was the yeah. short that you did before that you knew, OK, this is uh, our location. Yes. This is where we're going to be. That's everything, and then yeah. from there we're we're able almost that boundary gives us the ability to just create freely.
3: Yeah, I feel like I feel like having that sort of um, you're forced to you're put in a corner, and then you're creative. You have to creatively figure out a way to get out of that corner, you know. And I think that that sparks so much. It, I mean, especially for like independent filmmakers, we don't have access to hundreds of millions of dollars or pennies for that yeah. matter so it's like uh you know like we we kind of have to think super creatively on like how to actually you know achieve the goals that we have and um and we also did like a lot of like 24 hour and 48 hour film races where they literally yeah. just give you they literally like okay open up your envelope you open it and it's like okay your genre is you know musical and you have to have this specific line of dialogue and this specific character go write it, and it like it forces you to, yeah. to come up with everything within those boundaries so
1: yeah it's cool yeah yeah we've done like songwriting exercises. It's the same true with I think writing anything, just the uh, what what a gift that was that man offering the storage unit also um that you had the eyes to see it as a gift, you know, like, okay, we can, we can use this and we can, um, anyway, I think it takes both. Like we need the boundaries to create something instead of like, oh, the world's our oyster. What are we going to do? There's Mm -hmm. too many options. And then having the eyes to see, oh, this is an opportunity because I think we can miss things like that. So I think. Yeah.
4: And to, to that, I think you, you talked about Cooper earlier, like Multiple seasons, and how or you know Lauren, you were talking about how you love a limited series, sometimes why I think there's there's this issue that happens in television where a second season can tend to sometimes be worse than the first season. I think sometimes that's part of the issue is in the first season, they're probably creating around something really solid, a boundary of some sort, hey, we have this, we don't have a lot of money, we're just going to create it, and then sort of in the second season, I think. In my opinion, Stranger Things was this way. There's a lot of seasons where the second season, it's almost like they have now every resource possible. Okay, you have everything. So go do it. And it's almost like that ends up hindering the story and creative because they're trying too much or they're going outside of those original boundaries. And so it really is. It's it's it is interesting. It's interesting to look at that second seasons of shows and you can kind of see how it happens. Because, again, if we were given a million dollars and somebody were to be like, create anything, it would probably be terrible. It, I mean, that. no, we will. Oh, we'll Give us a million dollars.
1: Yeah, before.
4: I'll edit that part out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
1: I do I think love... what's interesting is like season three was saved, I think, by the mall. So the location, yes. you know, I love that. I mean, season three was my favorite season. Yeah. Her, but, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Coop, you were going to say something.
0: No, I was about to say, I just loved how Ian immediately backed away from his partner when he started to essentially <laughs> disparage season two of Stranger Things. I was like, oh, God. he just instantly was like, hey, hey, this is not the thoughts. Uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I'm i with Caleb through
3: and through, but I uh, think it was the money.
0: I think it was the no, was it $1, it, $1, it $1, million dollars.
4: It was the <laughs> million dollars. Yeah. No, it,
0: yeah, uh, yeah. I, I always love. 22 Jump Street, I, the second 21 Jump Street movie, where they just said, they say it multiple times in the script. Yeah, because now we have twice the budget, which means we'll make twice the money. And then they go, wait, that can't be right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then, and then he goes, no, we have, we have carte blanche with the budget. And then later he refers to it as Kate Blanchett with the budget. And <laughs> was goes, like, yeah, Kate Blanchett with the budget. And he goes, I think you mean carte blanche. He's he like, yeah, carte blanche, whatever. So
1: <laughs> yes. I always yes. loved, well, yeah, if
0: you spend twice as much, you'll make twice as much. I love how much <laughs> so say that in that movie. Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay, so you guys, uh, let's do one more thing on making it. So, talk about uh, casting. Just the obviously a lot of um, great talent. Uh, we were talking before we started recording. I was just sharing, Caleb, you weren't on yet about. Um, I knew it'd be funny you know that's knowing ian um i was like this is gonna be funny you know i'm meeting you but mart like yeah it'd be funny but just the in one of the more climactic points of the pilot just seeing the emotion you know that you're like oh man this hits you know like this is uh you can feel the brokenness of the family and how that's coming to a head um so obviously part of that is what you guys created and then part of that is the cast and them coming together with you so maybe talk a little bit about that what what that was like casting and and working with uh incredible talent
3: yeah um so yeah so i mean it's a little bit again with getting put into a corner um so with um the owner of that uh studio he ended up coming on as executive producer and essentially he funded the project which is crazy so we had a little bit of a budget um and so we were like okay cool we can use this money for i think caleb and i agreed that we wanted to spend all the like majority of the money that we had as much as we can on the things that we would see on camera so that would be uh like production design art direction and then the cast um and i i think some some friends of mine were like you should get a casting director i'm like okay cool and then we looked into how much a casting director costs and we're like okay well we just can't do that um so me caleb and then one of our other producers elena we were at a coffee shop and we were trying to like think through like okay do we you know how do we how do we cast how do we find people and we use a thing called backstage which is like a nationwide like casting online casting thing um but it you know the talent might be hit or miss but then uh in the middle of the conversation, I was like, "Hey guys, uh, I just recently downloaded TikTok. What if we reached out to some of the TikTokers that are uh, that are really funny?" Um, and both Caleb and Elena were like, "Okay, that's not going to work."
0: <laughs>
4: It was the first, it was the first meeting too. It was the very first, like we sat down. We're like, great, we're going to make this thing, guys. Hey, how's everybody doing? And he's like, guys, TikTok's incredible. Have you been on? We could maybe use one of these
3: people. And we're like, dude, you're, what are you doing, man? I think I I I think I said that and I gave you guys names and then I just left. You, I- <laughs> you did. You did.
4: You're like anyway gotta go and then the other producer and i are like okay well i guess let's reach out on um, do you have tiktok i don't and so but but to, to to your credit you um you had a list of people that you followed i think we all reached out when we reached out to their managers um and we got probably four or five auditions from some of these people and then the person who plays chase his name is connor boyd he had just gone viral for a video that he did um, with uh, Marvel's second um, Doctor, Doctor Strange, Strange movie.
3: Yeah.
4: Um, and they invited him to the premiere. And so he had just gone viral viral for that video. And we had seen it. We had seen some of his other work. And I think you reached out, Ian, and he responded immediately. Yeah. Uh, which, was, which was awesome. And we had a conversation with him. I think he was very wary of us. He's in New York. And he was like, some dudes from Texas want me to be in this movie. OK, uh, but um, he auditioned and when you get auditions for things, a lot of it is sort of sort of like this format that we're doing now. And so but somebody will be off camera reading the lines of the opposite character to the person auditioning. And it's very just sort of cold and static. And but that's that's the way it's done. What Connor did is he he took the frame and he edited himself as every character in different parts of the frame and it and and he was amazing at every character he was incredible and he and put he the we the we soundtrack yeah, music the we sports <laughs> music if you remember what but it's oh, behind yeah. it and it was just he put titles into it it was it was it was perfect mm-hmm. it was like again like i think that what they call a champagne casting or or it's this perfect moment of that's it That this this is this is the person that we need for this character, and for you know when you have casting that's that great, he sort of needs to carry the film because he's in every frame pretty much of this film, or of I keep saying film the pilot, so everybody else
3: you know kind of fell in line after
4: that um, as we started reaching out to different
3: you know casting. We 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 super like crazy blessed lucked out because. Everyone was incredible. Um, Like, and, you know, and we just like posted on this like online thing, and who knows what you're going to get. Right. And, but we got like some really, really incredible uh, performers that are local, and then some people down in Alston. And so, yeah.
4: And some, some people who, who we had a, there's a, there's a scene. It's my, one of my favorite scenes. It's the scene that I think is, is the funniest. And it literally is not in the script. Um, and it's the scene where our, uh, one of our characters shows up to the assisted living facility to go see his mother, who again is in, is in a coma. Um, and he shows up at the front desk and he's like trying to get in and they've just closed. And there's a character who plays the person working at the front, front desk. And they have this interaction that is r- real, really funny. And again, not scripted and it was uh, we were we had an actor showing up and he canceled on the day and so uh, it was one of our buddies his name is francis and he was helping us pa that day and we were literally like francis are you you want to just do this and he hills it so much so that we we at austin film festival somebody watched it and came up to us and was like how did you find that guy he's so great <laughs> like he's just a buddy i was saying he's a friend but that's also the the magic of doing something like this is you can cast perfectly and then you can also just look at one of your buddies say like hey you want to you want to do this and they can be perfect just you know and get maybe the biggest laugh of the mm-hmm. entire of the entire episode so <laughs> um yeah it was it's the whole process this sort of all i'm saying is there's no right way to do it right you can either, you can cast perfectly and then you can also just use your buddies. <laughs> oh
2: man, that was great. Um, I just want to make sure I, before I move into sharing Lauren coop, anything else you want to hit with the making part? I just want to make sure we get some time for this next part.
0: I think uh, there's something interesting about, I'd love to see that audition video because there's something they talk about on smartless all the time. The smartest podcast, they refer to it as people that have a sexy indifference. And I always think now they've kind of changed it into like a confident indifference. So it's like Chris Pratt and they knew Tom Holland. They know these guys that are like they went and auditioned for these giant movies and they didn't feel arrogant, but they literally felt like, Hey, I'm going to show up and do my thing. It's going to be weird. And if I don't get it, cool, y'all have a good day. I'm going to see you later. It's going to be fun. And they mm-hmm. weren't freaked out about it. They didn't over prepare. It was just like, they're never... They don't care if you come and talk to them. They're not looking with this agenda. And they said there's something so magnetic about people that feel that secure about that. And like that was a chance that he edited all that together and sent it to you, that it didn't insult you, that it didn't just go, that's not what we're looking for. He was just like, hey, I'm going to do this. This sounds fun. Yeah. And I feel like it, it gets you the part or it gets you the longest look of anyone that auditioned. And so, like, I love those kind of stories, but also, There is something about him that he's bringing to that character. That is the same thing of the guy that would make that kind of audition tape. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's money.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I, and I think part of it, part of it too is It was when we got the audition and we started working with him and this is such a testament to Ian who was directing this is he, 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 Ian immediately started to tweak and change the character especially when you were around connor around connor and his personality and a lot of the wardrobe that connor is bringing like we were very intentional with what the type of colors that we put on him and and Mm -hmm. you know ian was like i want him to wear this and i want to but also that's just kind of how connor dressed anyway (laughs) so like he wears these bright polos and you know and you're like okay you know so it's it was just amazing to see Ian and Connor work, but then also see the character kind of change mm-hmm. around around Connor too was so cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, again, props to to Ian on directing this and um, really working perfectly with Connor to create this character.
0: Yeah, the uh, the famous Pendleton zip up sweater and the clear jellies from the Big Lebowski. Two things found in his actual closet that they were there in his room to do costume fittings. And the costume designer was just like, He's got a pretty amazing walk in closet cool. and just started going through it. And we're like, Found size 12 jellies. And we're like, What are these? She goes, Oh, they're from France. Uh, someone sent them to me. And she was like, We're wearing them. Yes. And so I love yes. it. Like, he had those shoes and that sweater that are now iconic. Like, those right. were just in his closet. Yes. That's yes. amazing.
2: Uh, Well, let's turn to sharing just with uh, the limited time we have of, okay, you've made this, you know, we'll fast forward in time and uh, there's a lot we could talk about, but let's just skip ahead to finished, finished product in hand. What is it like at that point conversations with, okay, now how do we try to share this? So, you know, people can see that the work, what was that like for, for you guys on this project?
3: Yeah, I think, you know, we, The first thing we did was we had like a friends and family sort of like screening Um, just because like we finished it and we were like, we don't know what we're going to do with this. Like, obviously, the hope would be that, like, maybe it's good enough that someone would be interested in wanting to make more. Maybe we could, you know, whatever. But we wanted to at least to show it with like friends and family. And we got to do that. And that was like super encouraging. Um, And then at the same time, we started submitting to like film festivals that specifically had uh, episodic pilot competitions Um, because we knew that this is not a feature film, so we can't submit it as a feature. It's not really a short film, so we're not going to submit it as a short film. So it really limited us on like how many places we could submit to, uh, which was great because it was like, this is our chance. Let's just do that. So now, uh, you know, we submitted to a handful and then we. We're super lucky to get into Austin Film Festival, um, and got to share it there. And then outside of like hearing friends and family be like, "Wow, this is cool," but hearing like peers and colleagues be like, like sh- share interest and share like excitement around it was really invigorating. And then I think just last month we found out about slam dance, which for those who don't know what slam dance is, it's like the punk rock version of something. <laughs> Yeah. Um it happened yeah. literally at the same time as Sundance in uh Park City, Utah. Um, and we were one of five selected wow. out of like over three hundred submissions. Um, and so like this is kind of you know, we've been told we we found out we were like, Oh, that's that's cool, another film festival. But then we were told by other colleagues, like, hey, this is kind of a big deal. <laughs> you should anyway. approach this uh a little differently. Um and so fast forwarding a little bit, the hope with sharing it is that I mean we're open to almost whatever, but like we would we ultimately want to just make the rest of the the first season. Whether that's through whatever, I don't know. I don't know how that if it more people like assume <laughs> the executive producer or if it's literally, you know, some studio or something. But we this business is so weird and we we're still learning how it all works. So Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of my response. So Caleb, you
0: man, slam dance for us old people. So Sundance was the thing and the biggest film festival that everybody was trying to be in the nineties. And I love that slam dance started with guys were like, we keep submitting to Sundance every year and they wouldn't. When no one could get in, it started to get bigger and bigger and you had to have huge actors and they were already kind of backed by studios or had budgets that didn't make them independent anymore. And they started slam dance in a response to what if we just took the next tier of all the people that got rejected and the punk rock stuff. And, (laughs) and so then in the late nineties for us doing film and trying to come up with stuff, the goal was slam dance because you actually thought you might have a chance. Hmm. then over time Slamdance got so successful that it's another it's probably the size of what Sundance was in the 90s like it is a big deal now it's always been a big deal but I mean now it's like like you said five out of three hundred in just episodic TV. Yeah. that is that's big yeah like yeah. the right and I always say the right people are going to see this yeah. can't control what's going to happen but at yeah. least trying to get in in front of people yeah that's like more than half the battle so i am yeah. i was when i saw slam dance in the notes i was like "Ooh, man that brings back good <laughs> memories i was like that is <laughs> fantastic that's, that's cool, cool. that's but cool, yeah
3: man. i mean like again we were sort of just ignorant uh maybe not, that's not the right word from like you keep, sorry you keep saying <laughs> I, that word I, I, i've done that <laughs> a lot know no, it's recently. great like oh, call yourself it, it, yeah. ignorant i'm sorry it's... <laughs> we had that's we had a
4: conversation the <laughs> other day <clears throat> we were on a call with a producer and Ian kept saying, man,
0: I'm just so ignorant, so yeah. ignorant. I was like,
4: man, it's just confidence. confidence, Ian, you're not ignorant.
0: If yeah. you can take anything from this, it's that Ian is ignorant and doesn't want your money.
4: That's a, Caleb's yeah. the one who or doesn't ignorant, your he, want
0: your money. I don't want your money. Caleb doesn't want your money. <laughs> yeah. Ian is just ignorant. Yeah. Yeah,
4: we're both doing great. See, this is why <laughs> we're both just, this is why we're successful, yes. yeah. not and, successful filmmakers.
3: but anyways yeah we we just didn't really know much about slam dance but we submitted to it and and now we're kind of like gearing up for it and really excited to to go literally in like two days yeah
4: yeah yeah Yeah, we'll be there yeah it's it's cool i i again we did not know and i remember you called me um to because i think they had called you right in and so he calls me and the phone breaks up. So he's like, and it's right around the time where where Sundance also um will call you to tell you that you're accepted. And Sundance is such a long shot. But it breaks up on the phone when he tells me. So he's like, hey dude, we got into dance. And I'm I I'm losing it. I'm like, oh, 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 and he's like, yeah. So anyway, slam dance is cool. I'm like, slam dance? What's slam dance? Oh, I and mean, he's like slam dance. It's slam dance. I'm like, no, I don't what is slam dance. <laughs> um, so that shows, uh, yeah, that shows very much. We, but but again, you know, and and like you were saying, Cooper, um, everyone that we've talked to has has told us how um how cool the festival is from a filmmaker perspective. That it's very, you know, Sundance tends to be sort of a lot more commercial. Um, The films sort of already have distribution attached to them. They obviously have big names. Um, I think I was even looking the other day. There's a, a couple of Austin filmmakers Um, and they have a film there and it's called Sun- Sunset Sas- Sasquatch Sunset or something like that, where it's about a family of Sasquatches living in the wilderness. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. That's hilarious. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. I bet it. But it it has like Bleecker Street already attached to or Blumhouse or someone. And it's already got big distribution and big names. And people have told us that, yeah, like Slamdance is very much the festival for the filmmakers who are just creating very indie, creating the content and doing some stuff with genre as well, that it's a great genre festival. So we we're excited and, you know, we don't know what we don't know. And so it's, it's, I think, again, like you said, we're ignorant. So it's just to, you know, um, great, but great to step into that space and, and just experience, experience that and kind of see, you know, what it's going to be like. And truly from our other festival experience, maybe the most fun part of this has been, excuse me, meeting other filmmakers, um, seeing their projects, talking about their projects. I, there's I think that's one of the most rewarding parts and then having them again your peers come out and see your work in Austin and I don't know if you guys have seen this and I'm just I'm just now talking and we don't we can shut me up but there's a um there's a video that went viral from BYU has this comedy channel that they or this um I forget what it's called but there's this video that went viral from their comedy channel um where a guy is being there like he's a goalie um in soccer and he's constantly being hit in the head with a soccer ball have you do you it, okay any it doesn't matter i had seen this years ago during COVID, and I, and it was like i was yeah, i thought it was the funniest thing i had ever seen um and those guys had a film there in austin and I'm geeking out because I'm like, oh, the
0: soccer ball guy, that's hilarious. That's hilarious.
4: <laughs> and they came out and they watched our pilot and we were talking about it after. And it's moments like that where it's that's it's so surreal and cool yeah. to be like, man, I'm, I've seen your work before. I've seen the stuff that you guys are writing and it's really fun and really brilliant. And the fact that you would even come watch our thing is just incredible like yeah. that you would have any interest in that at all. So I think that to me is one of the most fun parts. And we've heard that slam dance is very much that kind of festival. Mm-hmm. What
2: about... Um, <clears throat> one thing about the industry, having been in and around it for a long time is that no one really knows how it works. Uh, that was one of the best pieces of advice that someone gave me that, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll leave his name out. He's he's actually passed now, but he's uh, kind of helped build the industry. And when he told me that, I went, oh, that's helpful. Because yeah. it, it doesn't feel like any... I mean, it's like, I don't... What's the straight line? Yeah. There isn't one. Uh, and, and some of that makes sense, right? It's an artistic field. And so even though there's money attached since it's commercial, you know, in spaces, it's just hard to pin down into any sort of like, here's the path. So... Yeah. Um, it's that's why it's like that's the heart of this show is like whether it's film or songwriting you know we talk about cooking gardening whatever it's like you just make it share Mm -hmm. it and then do it again yeah make it share it do it again um that's the only thing you can do like i just think about the fact that is it masoom is that how you say his name the
4: masoom yeah
2: yeah that he overhears you guys just having Mm -hmm. a great time and it's like hey man, do y'all want to do something else? You know, then take the next step. And then you flash forward to you're in Slam Dance in Austin. Austin's a huge festival. Like for people that don't know, that's a big deal. Um, so, you know, it's like you had to start somewhere and then now you'll have to keep going to do the next thing, you know, and see where it all goes. So, man, it's just been encouraging to hear you talk about the journey. And it is great. Like, can people... Can it? Can you watch it now, really, or still no? Like, you basically have to be at the festival or a festival.
3: It, yeah, it's basically just at the festival. Um, <clears throat> but, but also, Slam Dance offers a thing. Currently, there's an online portion of Slam Dance. It's like I think fifty bucks or twenty five bucks. I think you it's. Can see I
4: think yeah. I think it might be cheaper. I think it's twenty five. Like you 25. can see like
3: everything. Oh, that's cool. um, yeah, and so um, it's it's. I think it starts picking up a couple of days after the the physical festival starts so people could technically if they wanted to watch the the pilot there um yeah and you know and then also like once once the festival run is kind of done i'm sure like i think our hope is like we just would love to put it somewhere online for people to see it because yeah you know that's that's what we you know we make things this, this is a visual medium right like we make things so that people can see it um and so um but yeah we're it's kind of a a long journey when it comes to like waiting with the, the festivals and stuff, but but yeah.
2: Awesome. Well, um, I will, I'll find that slam dance link and put it in the show notes for people that are interested in that. And then what's the best way to follow you guys? um, Just not just with Restorage, but just uh, in your career.
3: Yeah. I mean, Caleb and I are both uh, local in Dallas and we do a lot of commercial stuff. So the biggest, <laughs> biggest thing for me is using Instagram uh, is I I know it's crazy, but I think I've gotten like 80 percent of my work just through uh, just marketing through Instagram and reaching out to people. So uh, that's where I'm most vocal um, and just sort of like posting about a lot of the work that Caleb and I are doing both together and separately.
4: What's the what's the handle? What's the it's, handle, Ian?
3: It's just it's just Ian Verdugo. <laughs> Nice, nice. Uh, 13, I think he was hoping for something ridiculous, like my, you know, my original AOL instant messenger name in middle school was Fartmaster Twenty Two. So, yeah, yeah. That's. I think I've grown up a little bit. Yeah. So I, I've settled for just my name now. I
4: would love. I would love if you're working on a very serious commercial like you're doing just a really serious commercial or you doing a really serious interview it's like man yeah creating is just and this is life man this is this is it this is my passion where can we find you? And
1: well i'm at fart master 22 on okay. instagram
4: <laughs> and dude, that would that would that's amazing. that's amazing
1: i think memorable i mean you can it's remember memorable. that one it will
0: be yeah memorable. yeah very true all right where you can yes. feel like yeah. you yeah. need to go get that at hotmail right now Part of yeah. that 22 and at hotmail pass the email address yes. so that if i was like at slam dance yes. and like someone's talking to you if you had a business card with that on it oh yeah that would be guys i'm a serious i would commercial. want to do business with that here's card. my email what yeah hotmail who's using hotmail, hotmail.
3: Who's There's so (laughs) so (laughs) many layers to unpack.
1: I love
0: it.
4: Sorry. (laughs) Caleb, what about you? How do people Uh, (laughs) think? Yeah, same. Um, Instagram, uh, it's at Caleb uh, Keith Davis. Um, And then, you know, we have, I think, individual websites for our... This is, you know, film and narrative storytelling is something that we um are kind of doing on the side i think for for both of us we're both commercial um producers and directors and so um a lot of it is a lot of it's through that uh that's sort of how we how we make money and then we get to do these projects on the side so our websites um and uh instagram linkedin um kind of all caleb caleb davis and ian verdugo but yeah hopefully we get to do do more of these you know and i'm kent i need to know who told you this before who told you that thing before they passed that's all i was thinking about oh you know, where, like Paul somebody told me something when we, we stopped recording yeah
2: and then they died
0: was it boxes. alfred Hitchcock?
4: mystery boxes when we stop
0: recording yeah, we i'll go. tell
2: you mystery okay box. all
4: right okay okay, <laughs> yeah. okay. Well, i'm right. one of those people i'm like somebody says something like that i'm like can't i need to know who said who was it
0: yeah yeah
4: Okay.
2: Well, uh man, excited for you guys. And uh it's it is, I think as we've all said, like uh just it, it's funny, but it's poignant. Uh mm-hmm. and so great work. Um and thank just, you guys. Yeah, like Coop, okay. I, I hope it's not just the coffee that we're all gonna go to. I'm gonna be there. What? Uh, but we're actually getting to see it uh play mm-hmm. out too. So congratulations.
3: Thank you guys. Really thank you guys. It. Thank you
4: guys so much. Thanks for thanks for having us on. Really, we appreciate it.
3: Thanks for
2: Well, if you're enjoying this, uh, rate and review on Apple in particular. As I said, a lot of things flow from there in the podcasting world. And uh, we'll see you next time on Make It It. Just be here, kid. You got to just go for
0: it. Don't think about what comes after or what came before. You just got to bend your knees, take a deep breath, and jump, jump, jump. And you might think, what if I fall? Well, what if you don't?